1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Big Hockey Podcast. You man, I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are going to take a quick look back at the second round of the playoffs here, but uh, just in a little quick around the league segment, talk about some coaching changes, talk about uh, some GM activity, uh, what what we thought of the second round going through it and, and what it kind of means going forward for a few of the teams, uh, some coaching changes, some coaching staying the same. Um, we'll hit on all that here in our first 15-minute segment uh chris how are you this evening sir i'm
1: doing good My hockey hearts a little sad but i'm doing good
0: oh you got to be all right with that you guys got out of the first round for the first time in 20 years the 10-year mike milbury cursed as quoted by the buffalo kid our former co-host on this show has expired I think you mentioned one thing that I wanted to hit on real quick regarding the Islanders was that uh, we were doing our preview show with Matt Pryor from over at the Hockey Riders and we were talking about that series with the Panthers in the first round. And you said that this playoffs will, for better or for worse, be Jonathan Tavares' defining moment with the Islanders. And in my estimation— I think he defined himself very well in this playoff series. What say you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. just, yeah, I mean, what the Lightning was, uh, it was to me a coin flip series, and even though the series only won five games, it was game three and four losses at home, where, you know, in game three, they're 38 seconds away from winning and a missed assignment with the goalie pulled. Nikita uh and the kid, the kid had made them pay and in game four they were all over them and you know just could not expand the lead and you know straight hard to win one nothing. and you know the secondary scoring or just scoring in general at times this team has gone through funks during the year of hit, hitting the wall scoring and that's going to be uh, points A, B, and C from uh, this fall season especially with Travis We're uh, sending me a straight request his family situation is at a good place, and he never wanted to leave. So that kind of kind of leaves things a firm footing there. So, uh, Gord Snow's job this this summer is uh, to find a alignment with Mr. Tavares and improve the second and third line scoring, both from either within or or externally. And uh, I, I read a lot about Former Kings goalie, Mr. Jeff Baruby, that the Islanders are very high on him. So. Uh, they have three goalies, and one will be moved this offseason. It sounds like, and it doesn't sound like it'll be Mr. Baruby. It sounds like it's going to be a baruby grice tandem, uh, and lot could be on his way uh, out. So, uh, in a trade. So, I think they're going to have a very busy offseason. Good year, uh, nonetheless, but uh, everyone's wanting more, to say the least.
0: Let's uh, let's take a look at what the other series in the East there. Uh, Capitals. Everybody's wondered wonder kid superstar regular season 120 points president's trophy yada 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 didn't quite get it done um pittsburgh had too much for him there's a lot of uh i think there's two suspensions came out of that series um pittsburgh just too much been a juggernaut juggernaut since about the middle of february i think and uh hard to say hard to say that it's a that's a veteran team in washington i would say hard to say that that's a learning experience for them to get to the second round and get out of their past that point and just justin williams said i just saw today that uh one of the reporters was asking him if the season was a failure and justin williams uh always forthcoming and forthright said yes it was a failure they brought me here to win the last game of the season unfortunately only one team can do that every year and this year it's not a, not us we had a great year there's a lot we can hang our hat on but at the end of the day it was a failure so where where does washington go from here a perennial perennial underachiever in the playoffs what do you, how, how do they fix that
1: I think kind of rough. I mean, the Penguins have been playing uh, uh, incredible hockey uh, since the beginning of March. So, you know, we'll close yeah, sure. the last two and a half months. And, you know, the four loss they had in this series, they lost by one goal, two of which went to overtime. And, uh, you know, in game six, when they yeah. tied it out after being down 3-0, uh, you thought, wow, they can find a way and then go home for game seven. And, you know, this could be their defining moment. To break through, and but the Penguins were all over them in overtime. I tell you, watching that game with the Penguins wearing the black and yellow jerseys, I felt like I was watching uh-huh. a bunch of bees buzzing all over the ice, and uh, uh, you know. But you know, the Caps are built. Uh, you know, the key question for general manager Brian McClellan is going to be: Can he get one more piece to make this team to break through? And that's going to be. Very challenging and when I say one more piece I mean another in my opinion Justin Williams type guy be it on the blue line or up front both on the ice and off the ice and um, you know given the structure of their cap uh, they're not going to want to break up their core obviously and then they don't have the radius of prospect pipeline so uh, and you know that's going to become a challenging to do and maybe it's something the general manager won't be able to do over the summer but it's something he'll have his eye on for about before the next trade deadline. Um, maybe that would be more realistic. But, uh, uh, you know, everyone, uh, other than I think Jason Chimera and uh, Mike Weber, uh, those are their only unrestricted free agents. So the core of this team will be back. And, uh, and they'll sign for one more year. TGOC and Justin Williams become free agents after next year a lot of their top young guns, like Knetsov becomes an RFA, he's going to get a gigantic raise, so, you know, things are going to change, uh, you know, a bit next year, so after next season, so they got to be all in uh, for the Cup next year, not that they weren't this year, but uh, uh, not, not, uh, not an easy uh, goal for Capitals fans. They, they all signs kind of pointed like this was going to be the year.
0: Yep, Penguins just a little bit too much. Let's head out to the West there. Good season for the Stars. I don't think you had them in the playoffs or barely making it in. I don't think you had them in there, and I was kind of high on them. I liked liked what they were doing. I I liked who they brought in, and they did have a real good year for them. They uh, kind of had a little bit of a goalie letdown there towards the end. Um, Overall, I thought their goaltending was adequate, not superior, and probably was just about – best best case scenario was play a really hard fought second round series and and call it a day and and build for next season off of off of what they did from missing the playoffs to uh winning that division which we had pegged as the toughest division in hockey and i think it played out with uh all of the early exits (laughs) coming at the hands of that division um Good year for Dallas. Good year for Dallas. St. Louis moving on there with a pretty resounding Game 7 win.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the only negative I can say about them is to improve, their goaltending needs to improve. And I think the two guys they have, Lettinan and Miami, they are what they are at this, at this stage of their career. And uh, they're both signed for the next couple of years at least. Uh, I know Miami has signed for two more years. Make a pretty good, you know, in the four and a half, five and a half million range, and they need to improve uh, on the blue line. Um, so those are not going to be easy things to do. And actually, uh, two of their uh, top defensemen, Jason Demers and Alex Volgowski are unrestricted free agents, and odds are at best they'll bring one of them back. So they might look from some young blood from within, like you saw this year, them uh, bringing up Stephen uh, St. John was also came over on the Patrick Sharp deal. So that's going to be the challenge for Jim Neal, who's an excellent GM, uh, uh, to make this team take the next step. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's not easy in terms of, you know, having, for lack of a better phrase, B, 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 B plus goal pending and, you know, lapses uh defensively to to win the Stanley Cup so um to me their DNA you know you saw the you saw the great the good the bad and the ugly of the stars uh, you know throughout you know throughout this season but uh they're definitely a, a strong squad and they'll be back next year
0: oh yeah I agree I think they're actually probably better days are in front of them as opposed to taking a step backwards you get one of those two defensemen signed and keep them at home then uh Tough to move those goalie contracts, though, when you've got 10000000 million-plus tied up in two goalies and eesh, they kind of just play a mediocre playoff series. I mean, let's face it. They they won the Western Conference. They, they're they not horrible goaltenders by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but still, if you want to get out from under one of those deals and bring in a, a another top-four guy to, to cut down on your goals against, which is probably what they need to do, tough to find a taker for those contracts so maybe a little bit of a t- tough tough work ahead for them but still still a squad on the rise I think look for Dallas the next couple years to be much improved I like Lindy Ruff as a coach and I think he's got them headed the right direction and last but not least uh I thought wouldn't be as good a series as it was but shark spreads turned into be a nail biter there and until game seven uh but yeah, that was surprising. Yeah, I thought they were good. Getting... They, they,
1: they, the way the game played out, for I, sure. I, I, I wasn't. I, I thought it was kind of. I thought the Sharks would find a way in Game Seven, but I didn't expect a five nothing game, especially nope. with how the rest of the series
0: was played. Our our uh, our young squire there in in San Jose uh, out duelled Jonathan Quick, out duelled Pekka I guess the only question really remaining and. We'll pose that in in the third segment of the show. Is is once you get in the conference finals, it's probably a little bit, a little bit different beast there, and we'll see if Martin jo- Jones can hold up against an an energized, quick, improved offensive St. Louis Blues team. I think. I think special teams will probably maybe tell the tale in the the conference finals in the West, but Martin Jones will have a big a big say, in the outcome of that one way or the other, don't you think?
1: Yeah, he looks solid. I mean, he's looks like a veteran between the pipes. Yep. He's looked, uh, he hasn't linked, so, you know, um, so far so good. I mean, it's it's funny. Sometimes with these young goalies that look great as backups and, you know, when they get the full-time gig, sometimes they break through like Martin Jones and sometimes they don't like Jonathan Bernier. But to be fair, sometimes it's also the situation there they're put into as well so obviously a lot more banking for Martin Jones but um, yeah no I
0: have no questions about him going into the next series okay well we only got a couple minutes left we had a few coaching changes uh, Sutter signs on to stay with the Kings three year deal uh, team option for year three uh, reporting at being three million plus per which I think makes him either the second or third highest paid coach in the league uh Boudreaux out in Anaheim, Minnesota lets Mike Yogo and brings him in almost immediately. And then Ottawa brings in Guy Boucher, who then turns around and brings Mark Crawford back from the Swedish Elite League, where, I don't know, too many people know this, but uh, coached Austin Matthews, the consensus number one pick in the upcoming draft, to be his assistant there. So interesting changes. Any thoughts on that real quick? we got about a minute.
1: Yeah, no. Um, I, I guess Boudreaux over the Wild, but the Wild at a time and place where their roster there's not a lot of flexibility. So the only way for them to kind of break through is is with the coach to get the most out of that orange of that team. And I guess they feel Bruce Boudreaux's that guy.
0: I don't know. I think uh, I don't know. I'm well documented on on Coach B there. I think they got to get let Vanick go one way or another it's not working out for him there and bring in a little bit a little bit more scoring i think defensively they're fine but uh we'll talk more about that maybe in segment four we got to cut out to a break and we'll be back with our guest we'll be right back hello hockey fans and thanks for listening to the vegas hockey podcast make sure you check out all our episodes on soundcloud itunes and hockeytalkradio.us The Internet's first 24-hour day, day seven-day-a-week, all-hockey talk, radio format, streaming station. Check it out. Hello, hockey fans. We're back from the break. Thanks again for joining us on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're now joined by Mike Pepping. He is a blues writer for the hockey writers.com and also covers the blues for ksdk news in st louis mike welcome to the show buddy thanks for coming in thanks
1: for having me great to be here
0: no no you guys you got to be uh pretty happy in blues land now uh conference finals after uh let's say a little bit of disappointment yeah (laughs) so uh things are looking good let me just fire off a real quick question we know Ken Hitchcock's been on the hot, the hot the hot seat here for, you know, last year for sure, and this year if it was another first round loss to the Blackhawks, he's probably down the road. Is uh, is his job safe now? Making the conference finals, you think?
1: Well, you know, I think regardless, his job is is kind of safe. Um, You know, last year a lot of people were calling for his head. We just needed a lot of organizational change, and um, a lot of fans and analysts alike actually thought they didn't make enough change really to make a difference, obviously. Doug Armstrong knew some things we didn't about prospects and even though a lot of people knew Robbie Fabry was the real deal as long as he could stay healthy, um, there were still question marks along the way with our guests and uh with filling the gap that uh, you know we had and obviously when we traded for Troy Brower we traded for heart, not skill, but he's given us both. So uh, Armstrong made some good moves and uh, you know Hitchcock's part of it has always been he's almost best friends exclusively with Doug Armstrong. So Armstrong's always given him kind of an open ticket. They know that Hitchcock's nearing retirement, but he kind of said, I'll give you one year contract until you're ready to retire. So um, unless the Blues end up going over October, in October, I don't see Uh him getting fired um, until he decides to retire. So uh, I think this year has really helped his rapport with the fan base and the community but I don't necessarily think his job is any more safe than it was because I think he was already pretty cushy Mm -hmm. based on his relationship with Doug Armstrong.
0: Interesting, interesting. That goes against the prevailing wisdom, like you were saying. A lot of the fan base and media outlets were saying that this would be a make-or-break year for him, and that's an interesting point there. Let's uh le- yeah, he
1: definitely won over the room this year, so that uh, that also helped because, you know, one of the problems in the past was that uh him and his players had disconnect and it would just lead to uh, you know, just not taking that extra stride not really grinding as hard as you could on, on a certain shift that would
0: cost us. Notably, uh with T J Oshi coming a little bit public last year a little bit, uh which may be why Armstrong moved him down the road. Yeah, that was an <laughs> awful interview to be in. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you were there for that
1: yeah i was standing right in front of him when he got ooh, so ooh. it was uh, yeah quite the experience from all of us uh, to pick our jaws up off the floor after
0: he just came out and said it wow yeah so probably probably a reason why he's down the road there um so <laughs> so here we are st louis uh st louis slayed the dragon killed the beast dethroned the champs uh Talk just a little bit about what that meant. You said Hitchcock got a hold of the room there. Um, talk a little bit about just what that means to not only the fan base, but to the guys in the room to actually know. It's one thing to go into a playoff series thinking that you're going to be competitive. And now I think going forward out of that series, the guys in the room actually know that they're a playoff competitive uh, is team, that, Is that a good read on what happens there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Hitchcock, it wasn't all him. It was a lot of the leadership core in general that stuck around. They realized that they were lucky to stay through the summer last year, and at the end of the day, they had to make it happen now. Um, they've been the better team in a lot of their playoff series getting back to their first round uh, loss against Chicago a few years ago. But, unfortunately, they just, you know, they couldn't find that heart. They couldn't put it together. They couldn't make it translate. I mean, they made Devin Dudenick work all-world last year in the playoffs. And then, obviously, they played Chicago. And Chicago just played a pretty normal game and beat him easily. And that's kind of the goalie Devin Dudenick is, is as long as you get him moving and get traffic in front, he's not held by any means. I mean, he'll make the saves he's supposed to. But there's plenty of holes to win games. And the Blues just couldn't find that level to find their composure throughout a series to really steal it and, I guess, to just win the games they should to move on. So this year, I think they knew, again, it was make it or break it, and uh, they really bonded together. I think bringing in the heart of uh, Troy Brower really helped, I think, Steve uh, Settled Down in his lesser role, and I think his injury actually made us better because him coming back from that double hamstring surgery um, not only gave the Blues' time to, and you know, all the injuries, it gave, it gave a lot of players that wouldn't have got time, especially in a Ken Hitchcock system, the time they needed to develop, and they seized the moment, so now we have this impressive depth, and we have balanced scoring, I mean, I think we have 12 or 13 guys that have 5 or more points in the playoffs, that's a pretty ridiculously balanced scoring, so, right, right. Um, it's, it's just one of those things where Hitchcock definitely, you know, he's more calm and even keel. Uh, he's letting the players control the game more than him dictating what's going to happen. Um, he's not line juggling as much as he used to, and I think all of that mixed with you know the players' heart, motivation, and focus this year has really been with led them to where they are now.
0: Kind of a similar path there to the conference finals for uh, St. Louis and San Jose and where San Jose had to slay their dragon in the L.A. Kings and then St. Louis obviously had to dispatch the defending champs and uh, painfully to say juggernaut. Jug- jugger- yeah, they both did that. And then then they both had uh, long protracted uh, second-round series, both going to Game 7s, but then both pretty easily dispatching their opponents in the Game 7. So I, w- I wanted to touch a little bit. We were talking before before we came on. And you did mention the leadership group and how, how much of it is directly related to David Backus and being more of a disciplined player in tight or trailing situations and not taking the stupid penalty and retaliation and playing whistle-to-whistle whistle and being the disciplined, structured team, even if they get down in a, in a game – Uh, It seems to me that that group has matured to the point where they are able to stay within their structure and weather those storms, which I think was a trademark of of the Kings' uh, run in 2014 where they played three straight game sevens, is being able to maintain that structure even down 3-1 to in the third period. Just playing your game, north-south, get it in deep, Don't take the penalties. Good things are going to happen. How much of that is an improved leadership from David Backus and the other assistants?
1: You know, it is a lot of it. I think T.J. Oshie leaving really changed the attitude in the locker room, and I think David Backus, being away from his buddy T.J. Oshie now, has given him the chance to really reflect and realize where he was going wrong and what he was doing right and what he needed to focus on moving forward. He did take a stupid offensive penalty in Game 6, and that was the game where the Blues had a chance to close out the Stars, and they didn't. So, right. you know, he still has that side of him in him. But showing that he's been able to focus on the play, get to the dirty areas, and shrug off all the BS that's going on around him has really been what's brought him to that next level. And, I mean, he's already got more goals in these playoffs than he has in the last five combined. Wow. So, that's a So, obviously, he's more focused on the play is is really benefiting him well. And since he's the leader of the team, it goes from him down. So people sure. are really feeding off his example, seeing his leadership, seeing his foot movement, and seeing his focus. And uh, you know, it's it's really paying dividends and it's a large reason why the Blues have the success they have this season, this postseason.
0: For sure. Chris, I'm a, I'm gonna throw it over to you for a little bit. I know you wanna jump in here, so let it rip, buddy.
1: Yeah, sure. It's great to have Mike on the show. Um I guess my first question is, for me, the Blues have been a little up and down in the playoffs, but the key is they've played their best hockey in Game 7. In the game that they've had to win, which they haven't done in the past, uh, what do you see, uh, Mike, uh, in terms of going into the series against the Sharks uh, as your number one concern uh, regarding the Blues? Yeah, definitely the Game 7s has helped, helped. and it's kind of weird, because as we talk about Game 7s, it always reminds me of the player and coach interviews this postseason, and some of them... Just make you think that they want the game seven, like the way they talk in early rounds. And then after they lost game six, Hitch, Steen, and uh, I believe Brower all talked about how special game sevens were. And it's obviously it was Brower's eighth straight, which is unreal. But uh, it's one of those things where it's weird. It's like they almost want to play game seven to prove how good they are, and they did that against Dallas. But coming into San Jose, my biggest worry is actually just that san jose is the better team at playing the discipline system we saw in both game sevens that san jose and st louis play a very similar style of play and it just depends you know a lot of times when the blues play an opponent that plays similar to them they don't do so well they don't fare well because they don't know how to defend themselves because they're so focused on you know matching up against other teams and other strategies normally so that's my biggest concern is just making sure that they stay on top of their game and they can adapt to San Jose's rushes. Um, I'm not too worried about the series overall. I do think it'll grow six or seven games, but as long as the Blues stay healthy and don't run out of gas, which that's actually another big worry I've had this season because they were so injured. They had the highest um, IIT course before relative which percentage, which is the uh, you know most injury-to-key players by a large margin this entire season, by over 100 points, actually, this entire season. So I'm going to wait for that to catch up to them. But maybe, you know, the team doctors really did rehab them completely and they came back 100%, so they got extra rest instead of being more tired if they would have played the whole season. So it could work for our benefit. I'm a little worried about, you know, them finally running out of gas. You saw it from Brian Elliott a couple times uh, towards the end of round one and in the middle towards the end of round two where he, uh, he showed some fatigue, started playing deeper in his net, and the, the other teams obviously capitalized on it. And then we saw Jake Allen um, for most of the game in, in round two. Um, but, uh, I mean, overall, it's just, um, you know, they just got to play their game and, and keep it going. And I don't see any team really matching them if they do that, especially San Jose, because their core is aging. Um, Marlow and, and Thornton are in their upper 30s. And uh, they really rely on Pavelski and Couture and Marlo and Thornton to, to gain all their points. And if you look at the Blues this postseason, they held Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Patrick Sharp, Jamie Benn, and um, dang, there was a fifth player in there, a fourth player in there um, from the Stars. That, uh, they held them to, oh, Jason Spezza, yeah. Yep. They held all of those guys combined to just four goals.
0: That's pretty outstanding. So it might
1: have been six goals. It was either four or six goals, but that's uncanny. Those are some of the best players in the world. For sure. And the Blues defense, even with all their breakdowns, were still able to hold those players. So I don't think that, uh, you know, Coach and and Pavelski are playing at a level that's above where those players were. So I think the Blues are in good shape as long as they stay, you know, healthy and, and motivated and can really move their feet. Do you think um, the key to this series or the biggest key? is maybe not stopping, but the Blues at least containing the Sharks' power play. That is is humming right now. Yeah, I definitely think that special teams is going to loom large in this series. It's been a sticking point ever since the NHL really shifted to more offense, and especially after, you know, they added the trapezoid and the offensive zone face-off rules and the defender putting a stick down first no matter what and, you know, delay of game and your own end, all of that to more offense, I think that power plays and, and special teams in general have really become the cornerstone of winning games, and the Blues actually have uh, great statistics against the Sharks on the special teams this year. They were almost at 30% on their power play, and again, that's only three games, but uh, you know, that's impressive, and they were almost at 90% on their penalty kill. So I'm hoping they can continue that, but since the Sharks' power play is red hot, the Blues have shown that, um, especially at home, they have some problems on the penalty kill, so they really need to tighten up, and really need to dig deep to make sure that they're filling the passing lanes, keeping active sticks, and really blocking shots. I mean, they had 35 block shots in Game 7 against Dallas, that's ridiculous. Some, you know, That's like block shots for an entire team for a whole series sometimes. Right. So if they can manage that, I'm not worried, but if they show those gaps again and San Jose can capitalize, it's going to be a really tight Series.
0: I'll give you a key and you let Mr. Hitchcock know if Joe Pavelski is standing between the dots under the hash marks unguarded he's going to score how many how many freaking power play goals has this dude stood there unchecked right on the doorstep and just taking a pass on the tape and thrown in the net Um Maybe. Yeah, that first one it was a power yesterday, but
1: uh, in Game Seven against Nashville, he was just sitting there on top yeah. of Petrino, untouched. He just had to chip it straight through.
0: Pekka. Yeah, three of them against Jonathan Quick too. Maybe guard the guy. Yeah. Well, Well, uh, hey Mike, we're That's out of right? we're out of time. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, sir. We appreciate it. Make sure you guys follow Mike Peping at Pep Thirty on Twitter. He links to all of his content. There, you can go to K, ksdk.com and also thehockeywriters.com to find him. Thanks again for coming on, buddy. We appreciate it. No
1: problem. Thanks for having me. Have a good night, guys.
0: Okay. Thanks for coming on, and we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and hockeytalkradio.us. The Internet's first 24-hour day, day 7-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk,
1: radio-format streaming station. Check it out.
0: All right, hockey fans, thanks for hanging with us. This is Vegas Hockey Podcast along with Chris Lisa and Mark Warner. We're here back to look at the Eastern Conference now with Zachary Devine. Good enough to join us. Welcome to the show, sir.
1: Thank you. How are you guys doing today?
0: Doing good. Doing good, sir. We got some hockey to get to. Uh, but first, let me say, if uh, you guys are into prospects and and draft look-aheads and stuff like that Zachary's your guy you could follow him on Twitter at Zach the Bear that's Z-A-K-K the Bear on Twitter he writes for the last word on sports.com the Dobbler prospects and also the hockey profits.com so if you, if you uh, want to find Zachary's content he's also a Sharks fan by the way so uh, we almost could have tag team him into the Western Conference segment as well But uh, we might have had a war on our hands. Uh, We had Mike Pepin on. He's a blues writer for KDSK there in St. Louis. So we might have had to separate you guys, take off the gloves. So we're going to look at the Eastern Conference with Zach. And uh, Chris, go ahead and jump in. Fire away.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting series to me, Zach, from the standpoint of both teams want to play the same style, very fast-paced, very up-tempo. what do you think has the advantage uh, given that? You, you know, Pittsburgh and Tampa, they're they are really kind of mirror images of each other when you look up and down their lineup. You're, you're exactly right. They play up-tempo. They roll four lines. Um, you know, they, they play pretty... Uh, they distribute their defensive minutes uh, pretty well, uh, evenly as well. You know, they both have their big horses uh, on defense, but um, everyone takes a turn, and you, you Coming down to it, I think Pittsburgh probably has a little bit of a nudge there just because they're getting some really solid secondary scoring. Um, But these two teams just really, I think, stack up pretty well against each other. Now, would I say, being an NHL uh, observer a bit, that if I was a fan of one of these other teams, uh, three teams still left, that Okay, should I be worried about the Penguins, given that the Capitals kind of held and checked Crosby the mountain and yet still lost the series? You know, that, I think that's exactly going to be the key to this uh, entire series, and, and maybe even the postseason. Uh, the secondary scoring that Pittsburgh is is able to muster—I'm not sure any of the remaining teams. You know, it sounds like a homer, but maybe the Sharks with the Logan Couture line might not be the best bet. But when, when, you, when you hold Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby to a goal and three assists in a series, and the rest of the team is still able to thump you, I, I mean, really, what else can you do? I mean, as a head coach and as a decor and a goalie, you'd just be kind of scratching your head. Um, but the, the depth scoring that they had... Um, Haglund had three goals, four assists. Uh, Phil Kessel had two goals, four assists. Um, Benino, who was a Sharks pick originally, he had two goals, three assists, plus the overtime winner, which ironically Haglund and Kessel assisted on. You, you know, you, they just roll those lines at you. And, you know, you, they're out, what, against maybe your second pairing. Um, you know, it, it's just really hard for teams to stack up, and I think especially Tampa Bay. As a guy who's got a great background in terms of the league itself, but also in terms of the prospects, are you a little surprised? I mean, granted, a lot of people were high on Matt Murray, and rightfully so, but has he surprised you a bit on how well he's played and how composed he's played? You know, I think anyone that... Would come in and say, "Oh, this is exactly the Matt Murray we were expecting." No matter what, I, I think they're just flat out lying. I, <laughs> it's just been really a revelation. I mean, you think back to what you were doing at 21 years old. Were you backstopping? You know, anything to a championship? <laughs> and I mean, I I I don't even remember 21 so thing. Yeah, tell me. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe 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 beer pong. <laughs> yeah, I do remember a lot of that. You're, no, that's. Uh, that actually did trigger some memory. There you go. Um, but you you look at what you know he's done over a really short time. Um, you know he he was good with the greyhounds. Um, you know with with the baby penguins, really just kind of stepped up. He's nothing short of a revelation, uh, like I said earlier. And I think no matter how this postseason turns out for the Penguin, I think they've really got to look. Long and hard at what what's going on. They've got flurry there with uh, a no movement clause, and you know, depending on how the expansion draft goes, those uh, NMs. Whoops. So you he sure want to? Wanna... He, he is eligible for exposure because his no movement clause only really pertains to waivers. He has a partial no trade, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Him, yeah, yeah. For sure. He, he, oh, that was just... Hold on,
0: I'm going to jump that down. That's important. Yeah, there's, uh, the, way the, rules, the, the way the rules came out, the no-movement clauses are eligible to be exposed. The no-trade clauses are not eligible to be exposed. And I don't think that counts okay. as a protected player either. Um, so no we'll take either uh, marc Andre Fleury or Matt Murray over here in Vegas next fall if uh, anyone in Pittsburgh's listening you know go ahead and go ahead and go, you know what go ahead and protect uh, either one of them'll we'll be good thanks anyway moving on <laughs> but
1: but exactly so so great you know one of them has to get exposed what do you do you know, you got a 21 year old netminder that is... Earning his bones in the Stanley Cup playoffs on, on his way to a conference final, or you have a goalie who's had injury problems, he's had concussion problems. Um, he's extremely good. I don't know if I'd put Fleury in the elite category, um, but Murray has, in a very small sample size, really dazzled.
0: Trade him, trade him to Calgary for picks, protect Matt Murray, and bring up your AHL or to back him up. And then after the draft, then you can make your other moves. There you go. Problem
1: solved. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. And Zakoff has played in the postseason. For sure. Too terribly. I mean, Matt Murray's definitely won that job, and I think Pittsburgh's going to ride him. Um, you know, regardless of of anything, really, he's earned it at this point. Yeah. Um, even if he stumbles in a game, you've got to go right back to him.
0: Well, let me let me jump in here and and compare. Uh, it's kind of similar to the Sharks and Martin Jones run to where uh, Murray Murray just beat Lundquist and Holby. Martin Jones just beat Quick and Rene. Both are going in their first run through the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you had to uh, pick one of them to hit the wall, so to speak, I don't know if it's the pressure or whatever, but... Uh goaltenders going through their first Stanley Cup playoffs usually if they make the conference finals that's the end of the line is and obviously Ben Bishop in the last couple of seasons he's been lights out big game goalie especially in the playoffs uh I saw a stat in one of the preview things I was studying up on in in elimination games the last 2 years uh Bishop's 5 and 0 with 4 shutouts and then you did, in the other game he allowed one goal so you don't get too much better than that is if you had to pick one or the other to hit that wall, uh, what would you think, Jones or Murray?
1: Um, I I would probably pick Martin Jones. Um, he has played a lot of hockey before James Reimer arrived in San Jose. Alex Stalock was the backup, right? And and you know Peter DeBoer just had to absolutely had to ride, ride Jones into the ground. I was concerned about it just even in the first round. Of- you know, we were able to um, get a little bit of rest for him. Um, but still, he's just played a lot of hockey for that year one. With, uh, with Murray, he's, he's so young and, frankly, so inexperienced, he just might not even know to be scared, right. quite frankly.
0: No, for sure.
1: He, he could just be going on adrenaline and just that youthful you know, hubris and just be rearing to go every single night, no matter what the previous game was. Jones has obviously more experience spent some time uh, with LA probably never even thought about moving to Boston he knew that he was getting traded um, but with all that hockey he's played in year one as a starter I'd probably pick Jones
0: okay okay I I kind of I, I mean for sure I give Tampa the uh, goaltending edge just based on Bishop and I think think the decor i mean it, room they were they were rumoring strawman to be coming back and if he comes back the decor edge goes to tampa bay in my opinion too but heaven's been a heaven's been a beast but uh pittsburgh's defense is, has been surprisingly well um let me break down some special teams real quick we got about five minutes to go uh pittsburgh's power plays at twenty seven and a half percent in the playoffs, the Lightning have only scored seven out of 42 times on the power play. But the Lightning's penalty kill has only allowed five goals throughout the playoffs. But Tampa Bay is the most penalized team left in the playoffs. So I I think if it comes down to it, special teams might just tell the tale, Chris, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I, I uh Watching both of these teams a lot, especially campaign against the Islanders, uh, uh, I I, I would agree. I I think their penalty kill is strong. The Islanders were able to get the foul play goals in that series, but their secondary scoring wasn't able to break through. But that's going to be a a problem for the Penguins, I don't think. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, the secondary scoring, I think, is going to make it. Um, you know, they, they've just been able to produce consistently and there's no reason to think that they can't, um, against Tampa Bay. Strawman, the last report I saw, he's going to be out for game one and two and he's plausible for three, they're saying, and that's all very preliminary. And then obviously Stamkos, you know, you get hourly updates on him and yep. he's, he's not off the blood thinners. But they're, they're, everything I'm reading is he – it sounds like he's going to give
0: it a go in this series. I, th- I saw a little bit of that today oh, really? too. Yeah, I saw a little. He was, he was skating today. I know for sure they showed a little bit of footage of that yeah. on the network there early in the afternoon. And uh, they were saying that he looks like he's always looked on the ice, but it comes down to getting off the blood thinners and being medically cleared to play. So right. if uh, – it, it it might turn the tide if Stamkos and Strawman both come back games three, games four. If Pittsburgh's got a two one lead there, um, be interesting to see what what kind of magic John Cooper can do with the lineup there when when they come back in. Be an interesting series. Uh, if you had to go gut feeling, we've only got about a minute left, Zach. Where are you headed in this series? Give me a prediction.
1: I'm going to take Pittsburgh in six. Uh, Kucherov and Johnson are both shooting well over 20%. I'm just not sure that's sustainable against a really competent Penguins defensive core and then Matt Murray backing them up. Even if Strawman and Stan Post come back, there's going to be game rust in the conference finals isn't where you want to be shaking that off. I'm I'm taking the Penguins in six. And real quick on Sharks-Blues, yeah, give me a give me a I'm sharks please.
0: Okay. I'm taking
1: the sharks on six, not just because you know I cover them for last word on sports. I think that what we're seeing, um, much like Pittsburgh, quite frankly, the secondary scoring that the sharks have been able to generate with the Couture line and uh, down on the third line with uh, with Tierney um, getting some some tough minutes. He had two goals in, in game six. The defense. The top four for the Sharks, I would put up against just about anyone else in the league, and Martin Jones has been more than capable. So I would take Sharks in six as well, and that would uh, be a East Coast-West Coast matchup that I think a lot of fans would tune into.
0: Yeah, it would be an interesting uh, sharks pins. I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm going to hit Tampa Bay in this one just – if Pittsburgh can't play with the lead, I think that's very important to keeping Matt Murray uh, calm and focused throughout that series. If they do get behind, um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. We'll learn a lot about him in this series. If uh, if Tampa gets out to to a two nothing lead early, go three uh, one, I think we're going to learn a lot more about him and and probably have him tested more against Tampa. Um, that's we're, we're we're gonna we're out of time. I'd love to uh, have you back on the show here in a little bit. Maybe if the sharks make it into the Stanley Cup final, we'll call you up and, and we'll break down the Stanley Cup final. Zachary, does that work for you? Great, that'd be fantastic, gentlemen. Okay, once again, Zachary Devine joins us. He's uh last word on sports contributor from for the Sharks, Dobler Prospects, Hockeyprofits.com. Follow him on Twitter at Zach the Bear. We gotta head out to the break and we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, -day seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. All right, hockey fans, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, one more little wrap up, me and Chris will do for you. We want to thank Mike Pepping at Pep30 on Twitter. You can f- find all his content through his Twitter feed. And Zachary Divine, you find him at Zach the Bears, Z A K K the Bear, on Twitter. Or go to Last Word on Sports, Dobbler Prospects or hockeyprofits.com if you want to look at San Jose Sharks content or look ahead to the draft that's getting closer and closer by the day. Zach's your guy. He's a good cat. Did a good job. We appreciate both our guests tonight. Well, Chris, I guess it comes down to you and me, buddy. Uh, Conference finals, break it down the east. Who you got? Well, uh, I tell you, uh,
1: Tampa is very impressive. I was very impressed with them. You know, they, they their pace is incredible. Kucherov is amazing. Ben Bishop uh, is able to shut a team down. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of John Cooper. He's Got a lot of Long Island blood in him.
0: I'm a big uh, fan of Cooper too. Guy. I think he's a great guy. Yeah.
1: So, uh, uh, but having said all that, and I do think Tampa's going to push uh, Pittsburgh very, very hard. But the Penguins are just they're just humming right now, and it's everyone on that team. And like I said, what's scary is the Capitals contained, to say the least, Malkin and Crosby, and still lost. And the Capitals played well in that series. Um, You know, um, Matt Murray looks like he's not going to let up. Uh, I think. uh, I think the key for Tampa is they need, and the way they play, they're going to take penalties. So they're going to have to. That penalty kill unit's going to have to be very impressive, but. I think when all said
0: and done, Pittsburgh's going to wind up winning this in a very tight series in six games. Oh man! Well, my bra- my bracket's busted there on the NHL.com bracket challenge. Uh, we did okay in the in the first round, but not so much in <laughs> the second round on what <laughs> I did. So, <clears throat> in fact, I had Detroit beating uh, Tampa anyway. So, I. I want to see Tampa Bay get out in front and I want to see how Murray responds to that. I out of the out of the two goalies that are left that have not made playoff appearances before, a just one of the, one or the two if not both will be playing their last series, I think. Um i think martin jones has more experience in the the nhl well i'm sure he does and may come from a better structured goaltending development unit coming out of the kings organization and i'm not discrediting uh the development system that murray came through at all but uh when you look around the league and you had a Bernier and you had a Jones and you had a Barube and you had a Zatkoff and they're all in the National Hockey League and they all came out of the King system, they're doing something right with goalies. And I think Martin Jones has a better chance not to blink than Murray does, and I'm not saying Murray will. He's he's been fantastic. Um, I just I think the goaltending advantage is too great and besides my boy the Buffalo Kid has some has some family connections there in the office, uh with the Tampa Bay Lightning, so it's kind of a homer pick for me, but I'm gonna go Tampa in seven. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna say Lightning if they can stay out of the penalty box, and keep that that power play unit off the ice, then I think they do have enough secondary scoring to keep up with Pittsburgh. Um, I guess that's all I have to say about that. Let's look out at the West. Um, I think. I think Pep did a great job breaking that series down. Um, where, where do you see the West going? You kind of hinted at it. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, I know where you're he, headed. He,
1: <laughs> yeah, he he did um have a great point that made me go hmm, and that's when Mike talked about how he is they stop uh, Taze and Key and and Ben and. Spencer and and really limited all those top guys. Now, having said that, the Blues still needed seven games to win both series, uh, so they have had a little gaps for lack of a better word. Right. Um, the thing is about the Sh- and this is going to be to me another. It's very competitive, very long series. The thing about the Sharks to me is, and this is amazing that we're talking about this as a team that uh, you know mentally just haven't been able to hang with it in past, with past top squads. But this team has had three moments where they have gotten off the decks. and that was game five versus the Kings. Looks like they were going to wrap up that series, being up 3-0 in the second period, and within a few minutes being tied and then coming out and uh, with all due respect, dumping the Kings in the third period. Losing, I believe it was Game 4 against Predators in triple overtime, having a goal disallowed, coming back in uh, Game 5, winning that, Uh, being down in Game – actually being five or six minutes away, I believe, in Game 6 from advancing to the conference finals. Oh, give up up the tying goal, then lose in overtime there, no problem. Come home in Game 7 and thump the Predators. So, uh, and to me, their best players are playing – out of this world uh i like the
0: sharks in seven, sharks and seven. so you're looking at a sharks pins final there kind of kind of where uh zach went yeah um well i guess i'll just be a contrarian and say uh B- blues and six why not um i don't have any real reason for that um uh, just to be a contrarian, I'll take I'll take Blues Lightning, and you can ride Sharks Penguins, and we'll see where we end up. How's that sound?
1: That yeah, sounds good. Like I said, I think uh, you can make a very strong argument either way in each of these series, and that's uh, that's what it's all about
0: absolutely well well buddy i gotta run i got to uh get to a little family business here friday evening playoffs are starting we've got uh, a lot on the plate a lot on the plate and we gotta run i'm gonna try and get this get this published out thanks again to our guests mike pepping and zachary devine make sure you follow them on twitter uh look them up on last word on sports and ksdk.com in st louis for all of Mike Pepin's content as well. So, Chris, I got to run. Thanks, buddy. And uh, we'll get our... We'll talk again there right before the Stanley Cup Finals. If, if I... Unless I miss my guess, I'll have a hockey team by then. <laughs> Keep your fingers crossed. Sounds good. Okay, we'll talk to you later. And we're gone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What
1: do you do when you win?